Empower Radio presents The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. You know, you open the morning paper. I don't know if this has happened to you, but recently there's so much happening. You open the morning paper, you turn on the radio or the TV, and what do you experience in your body? in your mind. You log into social media and there's a plethora of varying emotions and opinions that storm into your field of awareness. How do you handle it? This morning I was reading a very well-written, kind, loving, and compassionate post of a woman really bearing her soul, speaking her truth with real kindness and compassion. And then in the comments, a woman comes through sharing a highly emotional response that appeared to come out of nowhere. It was like this very abrasive thing that happened. So what are we to do? You can eloquently remain in the peaceful sanctuary of your higher mind, no matter what the world is presenting or what others are presenting. Our guest will share wisdom and practices that really transcend the obstacles of our daily lives and the small minds. His life and work begin with promoting the kind in human kindness. And these times call for more kindness. I invite you to listen in for a compassionate and loving, very loving pep talk for us all. But first, I invite you to take a few deep breaths. Bring your awareness into this moment. Open your mind and heart and settle into your essential wholeness as I introduce our guest. John Viscount is the founder of the Peace Entertainment Project, otherwise known as Pepstar, and co-founder of PeaceNow.com which is gathering one billion signatures. Yes, one billion. That's like one-seventh of our human population for a proposed United Nations global resolution that establishes peace departments in every government worldwide. He is also an award-winning filmmaker, playwright, composer, and author of Mind What Matters, a pep talk for humanity. John has created dramatic sh- scripts. He has created that. There was an error there. John, I hope you're laughing with me. <laughs> creating dramatic shifts. I'm going to just go there and say, yes, he has created dramatic shifts of consciousness. <laughs> but what I was trying to say was he's created dramatic scripts. He's a film writer. He's created dramatic scripts which address social problems and societal challenges and he is a talented musician he's so so talented a true creative in so many ways and i'm so happy to have john as my guest today welcome john thank you julie so much for that kind opening it's wonderful to be here i'm very grateful oh you are welcome and i'm really glad that that um little hiccup happened 
talking about creating dramatic shifts because I hope that comes through in our conversation. I didn't plan that today to come through, but it is the essence of how I see you and your work in the world. So I'm really happy to bring this to our friends who are listening here today. So, John, I do have a personal, uh, first traditional question here that I always like to put forward because it helps to set our conversation in a larger meme and a larger context of really what we're trying. The essence of of this conversation is really bringing forward. So I'm going to ask you if you could share with our listeners, what does all things connected mean to you? Well, to me, everything comes down to unity. I think that's what we are on a deeper level um, beyond what the, the physical eyes can see. And I believe though we take a lot of journeys in this world, the real journey of lasting meaning is the journey from separation to unity. Because that's when we realize what we truly are connected with every other sentient being in very deep ways. And therefore, when we remember that as we travel through this world, we look for shared interests and common ground with everyone we meet. And in this way, they become our partner in peace. Mm. Partner in peace. That's beautiful. We're going to talk a lot about what that means, partner in peace, and all your projects, which really are bringing more peace, more kindness into the world in so many ways, so many different expressions, which I love. So first, John, I think your story is really important. You began writing as this way um, to bring helpful teachings forward that really cured you of cluster migraine headaches, which you suffered for for 16 years. I can't imagine. 16 years is such a long time. But these 16 years were really an integral part of your voice and the story and where this wisdom is coming from. So can you tell us a little more about your story? Sure. Uh, Well, I had an absolutely wonderful, charming life, um, growing up in Bethesda, Maryland with three charismatic, super articulate, very creative older brothers and two wonderful parents who were talented in a wide array of ways as well. And I guess when I got to be about maybe 14, my parents started fighting a lot. And uh, one morning, my mother came to me and said, John, I'm, I'm leaving your father. And if you don't come with me, I won't survive. And I said, okay. So we kind of packed up and left. My older brothers were pretty much out of the house at that time. Um, My mother and I went out on the road, you know, to a a new place to live. And we really never had quite enough money to to survive. Um, We were on food stamps and stuff. And it... I felt it was incumbent on me to hold my stuff together because I felt I had to be there to support my mother. And I didn't feel that if I expressed my anguish, uh, that that would help her. So I just tried to maintain a stiff upper lip and kind of become kind of the man of the house in any way I could to handle any type of responsibilities that came up. So this meant I kind of had to suppress uh, the bad feelings I was feeling and the fear and, you know, how distraught I was over the family being split up and how disoriented I was. So I started manifesting these bad feelings in physical ways. And the main way it occurred was through coming up with a, or coming down, I should say, with a syndrome called cluster headaches. And cluster migraine headaches are just like migraines, but they're more condensed. They come like two to three hours, and you get very large clusters of them at once. So once the cycle starts, you know you're in for quite a ride. So typically mine, I could maybe get anywhere from, I don't know, 40 to 60 over the course of a two to three month period. They'd start slow and then they pick up 
and how often they came, and then they would taper off. But they were real torture. They were named suicide headaches for a reason. Many folks had actually committed suicide from them. And so the doctors tried all these different medical interventions from really strong steroids like prednisone to opioids to something called Cafragot, which was enormous amounts of caffeine. I mean, all this stuff that just would turn you nutty if you were totally normal. And especially with everything else I was going through, it was just a lot to deal with. So I had those off and on. Uh, I had them every year for, for 16 years until things came to a head with some other crises in my life. And I finally said, you know, I have to find a better way. So I started diving into spiritual teachings. I started out with Thich Nhat Hanh's Pieces Every Step and then dove into Buddhism. And then I found myself making my way to forgiveness teachings and teachings on non-duality and unity and the ways to see beyond the illusory separation of our world. And when I did this, miraculously, I healed myself of the headaches. And at this point in time, I said, gosh, not only do these teachings cure you of emotional distress, but they actually cure you of physical distress, too. So I really want to share these teachings. So from that day forward, I just continued studying and immersing myself in teachings from all around the world. And I kind of consider myself a spiritual mutt. I'll go out and take the best things I find and kind of develop a hybrid worldview, which becomes my loyal companion on my journey through this world. And then I start putting them in different forms of media that people who would never have time to pick up a spiritual book would be able to get these in small digestible chunks and admissions my short film for peace about the middle east conflict and power forgiveness is a result of this my book is part of this and all the scripts i write from the features to the tv pilots to the short films which address societal challenges, do this as well as do the platforms i try to create uh, the peace entertainment project and peacenow.com both which will also hopefully lead people past separation to unity mm. I love the term spiritual mutt. Um, out of all all of the different spiritual people I've talked to, I've never heard that phrase. And so I love that. So thanks for introducing that. Sure. And I just want to just um, really pause into the idea of you taking your experiences and the lessons, the spiritual teachings, and then putting them into small digestible bites. Because... That is exactly my experience of you, John. The the chapters in the book are small, digestible bites. This feature film of admissions is, it's not called a feature film. What's it called? It's a short film. Short film. Thanks. My, I'm, I'm used to feature film language. It's a short film and it's brilliant. It's brilliant. And it does the same thing. It makes you think it gives you small digestible bites for you to process what the message really is in the film it's brilliant and so so thank you for that i really appreciate how your voice and and being a creative is coming out in this expression for us we we need this i also really appreciate how the tagline of your book is a pep talk for humanity, because it really is a pep talk. So let's just dive into maybe some of those basic, the basic foundations of the lessons. Before we dig into the book and we talk about some of your other projects, what what are some of these foundational lessons besides, you talked about the illusion of separation and where we're going, that your voice is really trying to bring forward at this time on the planet? I would say that maybe the number one is, besides trying to get people to move 
more towards unity because that's where all problems are solved and where people have the most rewarding life. I think it is just looking at this life as a school. And, and this is not a new idea or new perspective. But if you really live this and take every single moment as a learning opportunity, then there are no unrewarding moments. And you actually get to a point where you will actually welcome a very challenging moment, one that really takes you out of your comfort zones. You know, one of the chapters in my book is Grow Strong in Your Discomfort Zones, and I found this to be a guiding principle of my life. I am now incredibly thankful that I had those headaches for 16 years, because if we are eternal beings, as we a lot of people believe and as I believe, what's 16 years of a very rigorous school that drives me towards teachings that not only can heal me, but maybe can heal some other people that I can expose them to. So for me, the major theme is that this realm is a phenomenal school, and it wouldn't be a great school if you didn't have all the challenges of this realm. I mean, when you start a class in college, they don't give you the answers the first day. You come to that at the very end, and then you're somewhat transformed when you leave on that last day graduating from that class. And that's how I feel about this realm in general, that if you come from love, you know, Empty your heart of all preconceived notions and prejudices and walk out in this world and meet people as they are. And then from that moment on, just try to be of service to everyone and learn as you go. I think this can be an incredibly rewarding realm, even if you're having a bit of a tough life and things aren't going your way. Because you realize that, it, that are those tough challenges actually grow up, grow those muscles that enable you to handle things better and better as you get older and older. So I think that is the main thing that I'm trying to get across is to get people to not be so attached to their, their personal story, but look at it on a deeper level as if they're an academic and what can they glean from every single experience? How can it bring more value to them and make them more able to handle certain things like that that happen again in the future? So I'd say that's the main theme of my book, that this school is, is an amazingly, amazingly beautiful, uh, I'm sorry, this realm is an amazingly beautiful school, and there's teachers around every single corner, and it's often the people that you don't think are your teachers, the one that make you the most irate, who are your best teachers of all. Mm. Yes, and I, I really appreciate the conversation about pain and discomfort, because we can, that's a teacher too, our pain and our discomfort is a teacher, so um, your book is all about the power of the mind, and I think it's important to expand on this a bit as we're setting the foundation for this conversation because literally, like I said in the opening, so often the stress is coming at us, events are coming at us, there's all kinds, there's a plethora of emotion and opinion running around and in this earth school that we're in, how do we train our mind to really hold this space of really this eloquent, peaceful sanctuary that you talk about? Well, for me, it's having just a few core principles that are easy to always go back to when you're challenged in this life. One of my core principles is that we're not actually human beings, we're love beings. And I believe this because when we're in the grips of unconditional love, not conditional love, because that's not really the same thing, but unconditional love, all our physical signs improve. Our cortisol levels go down, blood pressure goes down, our aging slows down, our outlook improves, our dopamine levels go up. So clearly this is the design uh, of, of what we're all about here. So if you remember that and always remember to come from love, that is a very simple guiding principle that will lead you through just about every situation in life. So, so that, that's, a, that's a hugely important one. 
to me that I always come back to. Another one is that a lot of people, and most people I'd say, think that this world is incredibly complicated with all these different agendas, you know, fighting to be heard. But if you really look at it on a very more simplified level, there's only one or two things that's ever really happening in your interpersonal relationships. People are either expressing love or they're crying out for love. If they're expressing love and being kind and nice and being active listener and doing all those good things that comes with expressing love, then you just join with them in love. If they're crying out for love by maybe being prejudicial or, or you know, just kind of attacking you or saying mean things, all the things that come with not coming from love, well, then you join with them in love and fill their heart with the love that they feel that they don't possess. So in this way, life is greatly simplified. So everyone you meet, there's just one approach. You offer them love. If they're crying out for love, you offer them love. If they're expressing love, you cry out for, uh, you offer them love. And in this way, life becomes greatly simplified. So I like to live according to very simple principles that don't take a lot of deep thought and that you can practice as mantras. So eventually, you no longer have to think them. You become them, and it's just the way you react to this world. Mm-hmm. John, you talk about what is a love being here, a love being, and I love I love, I, we use that word so much, don't we? The, the design, it's how we're designed. I, I really appreciate how you're bringing in the physiology of what happens when we're really experiencing that love. So thank you, because it is like our natural state of being, isn't it? No question. I mean, you know, hatred will kill you so quick. That's why another thing that I try to live by is that try not never ever to judge other people because when you condemn other people, you're really just condemning yourself to hell because now these other people that you've cast out of your heart become the proverbial devils in hell that prod you with their proverbial pitchforks and you know steal your peace every time you think of them. So once again, very, very important to use your mind to stay disciplined and not do that and realize that the worst thing you can ever do is condemn another because you really are sending yourself to a very hellish realm where there will be no escape until you release those grievances. So once again, it all kind of flows back into, okay, what does it take to be a love being in any situation? How can I be at my best? And the great news about that is, is not only are you the best for other people when you're love being and all your relationships have a much better chance of reaching positive fruition, but you're at the best for yourself and you become your greatest ally. And what is awful, you know, very oftentimes a very challenging realm that we're in, and I would never say it's not challenging, but with a few guiding principles that you can always harken back to no matter what comes up, I think your journey is a much better chance of being rewarding and productive. I I love the idea of a f- the few guiding principles because your book does do that. But I just I want to really put an exclamation point on the idea of us either expressing love or crying out for love. And if people can really go to that simplicity, just like you said, a few guidance, uh, a few guiding principles, very simplistic and small digestible bites, taking all of our experiences and looking through that filter of is this love being expressed or is this a crying out for love and i think almost everyone listening will have that capacity to ask that question is this is this truly love being expressed or is this someone crying out for more love and we can put almost every behavior and experience into those categories yeah very true i another way i kind of break down um our experience here is is i see 
the mind in, in this manner, that you have a right mind and you have a wrong mind. Not in a judgmental way, but there's a right mind that leads you to positive things and a wrong mind that leads you to negative things. And you could also say the right mind leads you to unity and the wrong mind leads you to separation. And then you also have a decision maker that can decide between which mind you're going to activate and live from. And so if you find yourself in your right mind, you just continue to enjoy that. But if you ever find yourself in your wrong mind, the quickest way to get you back into your right mind is to forgive yourself. So that's another thing that I always fall back upon. If I, if I slip into some type of irritation or something that frustrates me about the geopolitical realm or something like that, I immediately go back to my right mind and kind of forgive myself. And then I just carry on my way, hopefully staying in my right mind as much as possible. John, what do you, what is the I, I, the the chapter on right mind and wrong mind is again real simplistic again. What's the decision maker? Who, what, where? Where does the decision maker come from? When you said there's a decision maker that can help you go back to the right mind. Well, I mean, decision maker is to me. I, I've always sensed that there were three different things going on in my own mind. Like I could literally. I'm observing from above always what's going on in my life. At any point in time, I could even get in a car accident or have something bad happen. I had a bad accident last year, and I always immediately go above and look down upon myself and start watching myself objectively. And I can actually witness myself from above going into my right mind or my wrong mind uh, in any number of different type of circumstance. So it's that objective viewpoint I think we all have, and that's probably that objective viewpoint that we're going to carry along with us when we leave the body. But when you're in a physical body, like we are now, you know, you have certain things you have to do to survive. And we have the ego, which I suppose looks out for uh, our, our physical needs on certain levels, and which was probably a lot more helpful back when we were less advanced and we really had a harder time surviving. It's a lot of animals. So it makes sense that we had this reptilian lobe that had to carry us through. But now we're lucky to live in this time where we're developing our higher mind. And so now I think everyone living these days has quite a challenge on their hands because they're carrying a reptilian lobe and an animal brain and a higher mind through this stage of evolution. But we're doing it for future generations. So we'll do our work now. So maybe in the future, the higher mind will be much more weighty than the lower mind and the animal brain and the reptilian lobe. And these choices will, will almost be effortless. You'll hopefully just flow into the the, the right mind and the higher mind and, and life will be a lot easier. So we're doing hard work at this time. So when I look across the world and I see wars being fought and and people stealing and doing all those things, I have great compassion because I realize that we have some vestiges from the past that still bring us down. But I dedicate my life to offering these very simple perspectives to folks who may not have time to really study these spiritual paths, but maybe one little seed could land in their store of consciousness. And if it doesn't sprout now, maybe... Sometime down the road, sometime down the road, it will sprout, or maybe it will be in a future life. Maybe they'll be the peace builder in in a future life. So that is also why I'm such a big believer in getting these teachings out in as many forms as possible. So people in a, a wide variety of occupations and and kind of life spaces can experience them, and hopefully they will lead them to a greater sense of peace, both internally and towards the world externally. Mm, John, you're brilliant. You are brilliant, and. Um, I, I love your brilliant mind, and I love your capacity to be creative with these things. You, you're a master storyteller, and and every chapter in this book turns into some storytelling that kind of make those small digestible bites more palatable, and um, 
and help them to really taste good to that consumer. Like I can take this in. Okay. I can, I can chew on this for a while. And then it really um, has a power to assimilate and digest so that it's not just putting the bite in their mouth that the reader, the listener, the viewer can really take it in and be moved and inspired and enlightened by it. And that's the gift of a master storyteller. So thank you for that. I I think that there are, these lessons are so important too. And I know that that the power is in us really being able to hold this place of equanimity as we're moving along, like you said, with, you know, we have this reptilian brain and this higher mind, and we're really trying to stabilize something important here. You mentioned forgiveness and forgiving yourself as one of the tools. So here you are going along and you're witnessing staying in your right mind, and all of a sudden, you're off and you're in your wrong mind and the decision maker comes in and helps you get back on track into the right mind. And one of the ways you do that is forgiving yourself. You talk about forgiveness in the book and you call it the world's most advanced technology. I think there is another one of those brilliant little digestible bites here. And I'd love to hear you expand on it. How is forgiveness the world's most advanced technology? Well, I think that forgiveness, of course, it's it's a symbolic reference, but I think forgiveness is the thing that heals and fixes the most problems on Earth. And, and in fact, if you don't have forgiveness, it, it breaks more things on Earth because your gateway to peace will be forever closed if you can't forgive. But when you can forgive and look at all the things you see across a broad spectrum of human events in the course of one day that challenge you, challenge you to maintain your peace and challenge you to not be judgmental. But if you come from a forgiving stance, it heals all that stuff. I mean, you can literally look across the entire world and forgive the whole world. And that's what I do every morning when I wake up. I say a little mantra to myself that everyone is spirit in the world and everyone is forgiven and purely innocent. I always have been and always will be. And I let it all go. And I, in my heart, I feel that everyone is just this beautiful white light. doesn't matter what they're doing in this particular incarnation. We can't really account for why people are doing what they're doing. And it's not my job to know that. And, and I'm, I don't have that type of omniscience to be able to do that. But what I can know is that everyone is fighting a hard struggle. And everyone on earth needs a helping hand up. Even the most powerful people on earth need a helping hand up. And another thing that people, I I think, tend to forget, I was at an AHIMSA conference this weekend, beautiful nonviolence conference at Cal Poly where I screened admissions. And you heard a lot about, you know, all the people being oppressed, which is really important to get that out there because we always need to know more about that so we can do something about it. But what I didn't hear about and what I think is equally important is to know that the oppressors – are suffering just as much as the oppressed. That it's incredibly hard life if you've taken the choice to oppress others and to venture away from love, to never really understand what unity is about, to never know the incredible highest high of life, which is healing another, if you are an oppressor. So once again, these are little tricks I use to find forgiveness for, for all beings and for all the things I've done in my own life. And then in this way, I get to go through this life at a higher dopamine level, 
with an open heart and ready to meet the next person on my path. And regardless how they come up to me, uh, just try to give them a helping hand up. And as I said, though, always remembering to give myself a helping hand up, too, because I'm imperfect. I make my own mistakes. And it's no good if I'm forgiving everyone else, but I'm castigating myself. That's not a help either. So that's why I start the day with this massive forgiveness exercise. It, it grants unconditional love to every sentient being in this world. And now I'm set. Now I'm not walking through this day with any grievances in my heart that steal my peace. I'm just ready with open arms to see what I can do to help in any situation. You are listening to the wisdom of John Viscount, and you're listening to the Dr. Julie Show. We're going to take a quick break. I'm Dr. Julie Kroll. When we come back, so much more of a pep talk for humanity. We'll be right back. Check out my new time machine. Does it work? Hit the button. Hey, it's Napoleon. Check out the future. Hey, you have a nice house. Why don't I? You didn't save any money, buddy. If only there was a way I could go back in time and fix that. Yeah. Save something for the future. Put away a few bucks. Feel like a million bucks. For free ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. So, I'm a dog, and I just got adapted by this new human guy, and I'm starting to wonder how he got along without me. I mean, okay, something as simple as walking around the block. He's got this leash thing, and he puts me on one end and him on the other, and I'm just taking him around. I, I think he's afraid of getting lost. Without that leash and me guiding him along, I don't think he'd find his way back home. But it's kind of cute. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the shelterpetproject.org. If a disaster struck right now, what would you and your family do first? Would you stay where you are or leave? What if you and your family were separated? Would your kids know what to do? How would you get in touch with them if your cell phone isn't working? Or the subways aren't running? Don't wait until a disaster strikes to figure it out. It's your responsibility to make a plan for you and your family ahead of time. To learn how, take our readiness challenge at nyc.gov slash readynewyork or call 311 for information. In this online tool, you'll be faced with real-life challenges, forcing you to make quick decisions at every turn to teach you the importance of being prepared for a disaster. Without a plan, it's like you're putting your family in a disaster. Visit nyc.gov slash readynewyork or call 311 for information. A public service announcement brought to you by the New York City Office of Emergency Management and the Ad Council. Wildfires burn millions of acres across the country each year. And each year, wildland firefighters battle to contain them. But they can't do it alone. For some communities, it's not a question of if wildfires strike, but when. And a single ember can travel more than one mile. As it twists and turns and floats through the air, that single ember can find its way to where you live and can ignite and destroy your home or your community. That single ember can be just as dangerous as the wildfire itself. You can't control where the ember will land, but you can control what happens when it does. You can take action now to prepare your home and your community for wildfire. Get fire adapted. 
Learn what you can do now to reduce wildfire damage later at fireadapted.org. Prepare, protect, prevail. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Learn more at fireadapted.org. Positively uplifting. This is Empower Radio. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, please share it with others. Share it around. Send it to your friends, family, neighbors, and maybe even listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com, where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. Also, stay connected all week on our Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. I'm here today with the brilliant John Viscount, and you're going to hear so much more in this next half about some of the projects he's working on because they're truly inspiring. You can find John more about his career at johnviscount.com. Viscount with a V as in Victor, like discount.com. And he also has a couple projects we're going to dig into next. Peace Entertainment Project. You can find out more about that at pepstar.org. P-E-P-S-T-A-R.org, and then the PeaceNow.com project. Again, that's PeaceNow.com. John, welcome to the second half. I'm like floating in the wisdom that's coming forward and yet excited to really share some of these bigger platforms and things that you're creating in this moment and um, really want to switch our conversation a little bit. All righty. So, um, I I want to begin with admissions. Admissions is a short film. It's been honored with 26 international awards. It's been translated into five languages and broadcast to over 80 million people worldwide. I I want to think of another word. Give me a moment while I pause. I keep saying how much I love it. And I really, um, I'm going to say how much I really, truly honor and respect the, the brilliance of n- not, not the message, because I do, and that's a given, but the delivery of the message that is really um, again, brings us back to that small digestible bite that we talk about, John. So our listeners are going, what? What is admissions? Let's talk about this short film and what it is and how it delivers a really important message for our time. Okay, well, I guess I'll tell you how it came to be because that might be helpful. I actually wrote the script as a response to 9-11. And I'd actually had it completed the first draft probably within two, two to three days of that event. And I really only wrote it for myself. I just wrote it to chart a pathway to peace from my own heart and mind that I could stick to because I knew the world was headed into war and the us versus them scenarios, which are so destructive on so many levels. So I shared it with a good friend, Gavin Bierman, who lived next door, who was in the movie business, and he loved it. And then I just kind of put it aside. 
And then about 10 years later, someone approached me to write them a short film. And I remembered this piece I wrote and I pulled it out and I read it. And it was just as topical then as, as when I wrote it 10 years before. So I went back to Gavin and uh, we decided to do a Kickstarter campaign and get the film made. Well, through uh, one of Gavin's connections, he was able to get the script in the hands of Academy Award nominee James Cromwell, who is an amazing man who fights for all types of good causes and actually was working very closely with Dennis Kucinich on Dennis's Peace Department initiative here in the United States, which is obviously something very close to my heart. So he called me after he received the script, and we had about a two-hour conversation, and I understood at that point that he knew all the subtleties of the spiritual teachings. He has an incredible command of spiritual paths, and it was a delightful conversation. At the very end, he said, well, I'm in. So we said, right on. So we went into the studio and had the thing shot over two-day um, I think it was over Saturday and a Sunday, actually. And then when we went into post-production, I started looking into peace, to, uh, peace organizations and peace initiatives to find one that we could align the film with, just in case if when people got to the end of the film, they were inspired and they wanted to do something with their energy. And I found a wonderful place called the Global Alliance for Ministries and Infrastructures for Peace. And their mission is to create infrastructures for peace in governments around the world, from the uh, local up to the national level. Uh, and I reached out to them and sent them the film. And they loved the film, and they actually debuted the film at their global summit in South Africa. Then the film went out on the festival circuit and won the awards and got a lot of attention. And during that journey, I met a wonderful gentleman by the name of Scott Brewer who had an idea to gather one billion signatures for peace. And I said, well, that's a great idea. I said, but I think maybe you need a little bit more. Like, let's add something to it. So if you do get those signatures, they'll have somewhere to take that energy. So I went back to uh, the Global Alliance and I asked them if they had a document that we could use to get the world's attention coalesced around this effort to create peace departments. And this came out of a conversation I had with my dear friend, Mike Goodnight, um, who is actually one of our branding experts at Peace Now. So they said that they did not have a document, but they thought there was one floating around the United Nations Culture of Peace Groups, which they put me in touch with. So I talked to some folks over there who had worked under Ambassador Chowdhury, and they sent me this document that was not finished. And me being a writer, I started working on it, editing it, and then we went back and forth. And eventually we came up with the document that is now on our website at peacenow.com. And we have focused on getting signatures from a variety of, of countries. So we now have global citizen signatories from 191 nations. We also have a very nice esteemed group of peace organizations that my dear friend Dot Maver helped aggregate. And through some connections we have, we we're able to get the global resolution into Nobel Prize winner Oscar Arias from Costa Rica, the ex-president, into his hands. He loves it. So he and his wife, I believe, flew up to New York and presented it to the UN Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, who now also loves it and supports it. So our next job on that journey is to get the global resolution introduced uh, into the General Assembly by, by a country that will do this. So we're in conversations with a couple countries, and we'll see where that goes. So that was a bit incredibly incredibly rewarding journey. Couldn't believe all that came out of this little, simple, short film. And we started giving admissions away as a free gift of peace at peacenow.com. And that has been a great way for us to promote our work. So when this finished, I started thinking, wow, this is one short film. I'm going to write a whole bunch more and just address all these different societal challenges. Sharon Stone had seen admissions and she reached out to me and told me that it was her favorite film of the year and asked me to write one about cyberbullying. So I wrote one about cyberbullying. I've written one about human trafficking, racism, PTSD, universal free health care. 
the global water crisis, climate change, the orphans uh, of La Paz, Bolivia. So I, I cranked out a whole bunch of these, and they're all short and get right to the point. And for gosh darn, I could not find a way to fund any of these. Now, admittedly, I st spent a lot of my time in my creative cave just creating. Um, but as I found this to be more and more difficult, I finally said, you know what? How many other writers are going through the same thing? We're trying to create works which would be really good for humankind, and they can't get them funded. So I met a wonderful person on one of my journeys by the name of Trish Riley, who is a chief of staff on Capitol Hill, has a huge heart and is very smart, and she got behind my work and became my manager, and we decided with some other advice that we received to create a nonprofit, which would actually support filmmakers like myself who want to create content which promotes the kind and humankind. That nonprofit is called the Peace Entertainment Project. Our branded name is pepstar.org. And the way you can think about Pepstar is a Pepstar is the new pop star, but a Pepstar is someone who uses their charisma, their ability to communicate and, and act and, and educate, when they use those skills for the greater good, they can now become a pep star. So our we just launched our website. Uh, we're not funded yet, but we're starting to begin that process to try to find some funding. But we do have our first project up there, which is a project of mine, uh, which is this cyberbullying film called The Principal. And my goal with that is to cast an African-American woman in the lead teaching role of The Principal, because African-Americans and women have been bullied harm just horribly all around the world and, of course, here in America. Um, African-Americans being, before they came to America, being shipped all over the world as slaves when they came from Africa. So I just want to try to address that in my small, humble way. So that is the way I want to do that is to put an African-American woman in a wise, hopefully iconic teaching role so we can flip that script and people can now look to that as an example of what an African-American woman is all about. And just hopefully we can get this film into schools and we can teach the next generation about the importance of kindness and and all the teachings that are in that film and my next project after that i've done with a friend of yours who you've had on your wonderful show julie and that is jude curavan we have created a script which addresses opioid abuse and also is imbued with the teachings of her wonderful book the cosmic hologram and i'm working on another project right now which is a project about racism and it's called the human tree and i actually have holocaust survivor dr henry oster doing the voiceover who's become a dear friend of mine who i met through a screening of admissions and i have a number of other projects i'm working on but those are probably the first three to come to mind so that's the overview for now <laughs> mm. a, a powerful overview it is and so i just want to um, reiterate that from your perspective this film that came to you right after 9-11 has opened doors and opened doors and opened doors and really inspired your work and infused, imbued your own work with um, a whole new really delivery system here of, of how can we get this work out into the world and you're working on funding. So going back to admissions it's a, again it's a story that helps us look differently at at the world seeing it through that lens of that right mind like you're talking about and is so much of your work does do that what's your highest vision for pepstar what is your like super huge what do they say the the Harry audacious goal for Pepstar. Where do you want it to go? I would like it to be one of the most powerful purveyors of the global culture of peace. 
I want it to be a platform that people go to that will uplift them, inspire them, and imbue them with teachings on unity and different ways to address the biggest societal challenges that uh, our planet faces. Uh, I also want it to be a kind of an advanced writing and production platform for aspiring young artists that they can come to us and we will mentor them on things like social activism, uh, viral marketing, branding, messaging, all the stuff that I've been fortunate to be trained in as an advertising copywriter. And so not only do I want to help this next generation of peace entertainment artists get produced, but I want them to get established in their own right. So long after I transition off this realm, they'll be doing their they'll be still doing their good work and passing on the teachings to future generations. So eventually people can just know that if they want to have an uplifting day or they want to learn some new perspectives on some of the most challenging things that we face as human beings, they can just go to pepstar.org and watch any number of films that we've gotten produced on the platform and or apply to make their own project. Because if you really want to learn about peace, create a peace project because it gets you to the deepest levels of your soul. It becomes what you are. And usually at the end of that process, you're no longer thinking about peace. You just are peace. And then when you go out in the world, you have this effect on others. So I hope Pepstar can do that uh, in all the ways I just elucidated. Brilliant. So for our friends who are listening today, if they have a creative idea they can look up pepstar.org. If they have extra funds and they may want to donate to help get these projects produced, they can go to your website. What else might you say to those friends that are listening right now of how they can help move this mission forward? Uh, I think spread the word is always great. Like I said, we have our first project up there called The Principle. You just go to the Projects tab and click on that, and then you click on the the picture that comes up, and you'll see me in a very short video presentation of the project, and then you can read about it. And then you can also go to the Frequently Asked Questions, and I even go deeper on it. So if they could just share it for now and get the word out, that would be wonderful. If anyone listening has any ideas of any philanthropists or any type of possible corporate sponsors that might get behind this, they can send us an email at uplift at pepstar.org, uplift at pepstar.org. But also, if they have even the most faintest glimmer of an idea of some type of media piece that they would like to create, they should get in touch with us too and we can begin that conversation. The power of film is not only that they've done studies and it's been proven that people much prefer to receive spiritual teachings and spiritual instructions in storytelling rather than a talking head, but also it's that one film that goes viral can impact more hearts and minds than one million classes on the same subject. I've experienced this with admissions. So we're particularly looking for media pieces that can go viral because then, you know, you put in a certain amount of labor into it, but you get this incredible outlay of impact at the other end when you get this up on all the various platforms in this world that can make your work go viral. And my dream is to make stuff go viral that is incredible incredibly uplifting to people and helps them be at their very best and to start taking the counsel of their better angels. So as they go through this life, they are the greatest ally to themselves and the world. Mm. I want you to be my coach and my advocate and my cheerleader and my guide. You are inspiring. It's like, yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. So I want to just again 
pause and go back to the piece now because there's also an invitation for our listeners today to go there and sign. What does it mean if they're going to go to peacenow.com and sign? What is this um, billion signatures and what does it mean for our friends that are listening? Well, it's just the, the growth of a movement. Uh, we worked very, very hard. Scott Brewer is the founder. I'm co-founder. And we've worked very hard just to create a platform. We're not terribly well-resourced financially, but we are wonderfully resourced in terms of heart and passion. And we've been working very hard on this platform, just kind of building up, getting it to the point where it's kind of ready for prime time. And we can always improve and do more, but we feel it's pretty much ready to go now. So when you sign uh, on our peacenow.com site, you become part of our peacenow.com family and you get our newsletters and you also help us build this movement. And every single signature counts. You can also see admissions there. You can see admissions two place. You can see it at peacenow.com. You can also see it at Pepstar. .org. I give it away for free at both spots. Um, and then you can look at some of the other things we're doing and some of our other ideas at peacenow.com. Uh, I have a play for schools called The Resolution, which debuted in uh, in Windsor, Canada in 2016. And it's a pretty interesting piece. The first act is my cyberbullying short called The Principal. The second act is admissions, which you know well. And then the third act is me doing a Q&A with the audience and having them become part of the action. And in my humble opinion, that's the most rewarding part because I get to hear what all the people in the audience say. And then it all leads in the end to a little bit of a talk about the global resolution at peacenow.com and our efforts to establish infrastructures for peace in governments around the world. And that is a play that if someone's interested in doing it in their school or their college or even an organization, they can get in touch with us. And I'm happy to, to let them use that too. Because for me, it's all about getting this information out in the world in any way I can. So PeaceNow.com and Pepstar are complementary. Pepstar can be the type of creative engine which can give PeaceNow.com some really good films for peace and, and other worthy projects to put out in the world and also draw attention to PeaceNow.com. And PeaceNow.com also brings attention to Pepstar. So, so I did that on purpose to make them complementary so they both have a better chance of surviving because the nonprofit world is, is a tough one if you're not terribly – uh, well-versed in raising money. But I'm trying to, to learn quickly how to do that, and I'm making tons and tons of great friends who are very passionately getting behind this work. So I, I feel the future is bright. The future is bright. One of the things that is important about what you're presenting today, in my opinion, John, is that you're not just bringing a lofty idea for peace here. What you've done with all of your work is provide solutions, real, hard, structured solutions, um, not only just for the peace to go into a, a peace department and governments, but in your book, you're teaching how to solve this place to maintain your own personal peace in every moment. In your film, you're giving solutions and directing them and guiding them into some bigger activism, um, you know, pointing to peacenow.org. And, and it, again, I'm using this word brilliant a lot, but today I guess it's the theme of the show. It's brilliant how you're providing solutions. You're not just going out there saying, peace, peace, we all want peace. You really are providing structured, grounded, and sensible solutions. 
Well, that's very kind of you to say it. I'm doing it with a team. It's not me. I'm just representing the team. There's teams that work on all this stuff. And it's always a group effort because the best work is always done coming from a state of unity consciousness. And I think if a good way to sum up my passion for peace departments is this. When you establish peace departments, you build up the muscles of peace in our world. So in the tug of war for our future, the muscles of peace will have more collective strength. I'm not saying that you establish a peace department and war and conflict goes away. No, but what I am saying is if you do this over time and get more ways for people to get together and sit down around a table and talk it out, you're going to have a much better chance of cultivating the common ground and shared interests, which are the foundation of global peace. And that is actually a line I put in the very last line of the global resolution, because that's what it all comes down to. There's a book uh, written by, I believe the gentleman's name is Jonathan Powell. It's called Terrorists at the Table. And he was a hawk in the British government and was going after terrorists left and right. And it's only till he learned to sit down with the other side and work through their differences did anything actually ever get healed. So it's all about sitting down around a table, actively listening to each other, hearing the other person suffering and building that common ground. And the greatest beneficiary of that is going to be you because now you've removed an oppositional relationship from your life. You're now unified with someone that used to be a quote unquote enemy. And now you've made another friend. So I'm a huge believer in that. And if you think about admissions, it takes place in the admissions room for the afterlife and deals with the Middle East conflict. It's essentially a peace department. And that's on purpose. I gave them a chance to sit in a room, hear the other side, and find something that they shared. Some, in this case, it was a, a form of anguish and suffering that they shared where suddenly the walls of separation came down and they were able to see each other as members of the same team and that they had both suffered. And so that is on purpose too. So if you look a little deeper at my work, I usually have these layers to it where one thing backs up another thing. And so if you take it in its totality, there's a resonance there that I hope uh, hope, humbly hope makes an indelible impression on the mind and starts to affect our actions in this world. And then our, our life truly becomes more rewarding. Mm-hmm. What a gift and blessing you are. I, I do feel those layers and I, I really get the the immersive quality of, of what's really happening and trying to be communicated through your work. So thank you for that. Um, I, I just want to throw out something different for you. Yeah. You... Uh, the beautiful you are an excellent copywriter and brander and all of that and i have this gorgeous card in front of me from pepstar with the mission on it and and the information on the back and the tagline promoting the kind in kindness i love it i know that you crafted it for pepstar but it feels more like a personal mission statement for you as well. How did that evolve and what does it mean to promote the kind and kindness for you? Well, you know what it actually is? It, that's, that, I love that tagline too that you just That's a great one too. But actually the, the tagline is promoting the kind in humankind. Oh, yes. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, no worries. No worries. I, God yeah. yours too. <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I don't remember what I said, but yeah, you're well, right. Well, Thank you. Yeah, so that actually just hit me where a lot of my ideas hit me. I'm very lucky to live within five blocks of the beach in Venice Beach, California. I live with two wonderful friends in a, in a, in a three-bedroom apartment, and I, I don't date. <laughs> I'm not married. I don't have kids. This is my, these projects are what I date, and they're my great joy in this life. And a lot of my ideas hit me while I'm riding my bike along the beach. It's just a wonderful way to ideate. And that just hit me on one bike ride, and it just summed up 
the, the things I was spo- speaking about earlier, that there's a right mind and a wrong mind. And humankind, you know, has a lot of different elements to it. And I wanted to actually get people to focus on the better angels of humankind. And so that's why I did that little flip promoting the kind in humankind. And that has seemed to have gone over well for people. And it's just another way to kind of distill it down. Uh, give something to people that they don't have to think for a long time about and that it could possibly become a little tagline in their own life. Like when they go out in the world, I'm going to promote the kind humankind today. It might be I go into the convenience store and when I ask the clerk behind the counter who's working very hard doing a very honorable job, I ask them how they're doing. I actually listen to the answer and then I respond to their answer and we have a back and forth and they hear me hearing them and they know they've been heard. And they feel loved. And suddenly their experience here on earth is a little warmer and a little more loving. And now when maybe they get off their shift or maybe the next person that comes in, now they're doing that. And they find out, wow, this is a very rewarding way to go through life, to promote the kind of humankind, to listen, and to take every single encounter as a holy encounter. It might be that child that bumps into you at the elevator. It might be someone who cuts you off on the highway. It might be someone that you bump into in the grocery store line. When every encounter is a holy encounter and you are firmly rooted in the now, you can make so much more out of your life. And you will find that it just takes a a, a warm word here and there, just a a small little extension of something to, to a stranger. And suddenly you're now in unity consciousness. You're in a unity state. And you've experienced what I believe to be the ultimate goal of this life. As I said in the beginning of your wonderful program, is to take that sacred journey from separation to unity. Not just on a grander scale in your life or us as a civilization, but in your everyday life. When you walk out, take out the trash, you bump into someone there, help them on someone, do anything. Because the greatest beneficiary of this work will be you because you'll walk around in a higher dopamine state which leads to all types of of health benefits so once again i think this is the the design uh, of humankind and that's why i wanted to point it out and put it into a mantra and a kind of a quippy little tagline that people could be able to remember and apply it in every situation in their life so that's why i came up with promoting the kind in humankind Mm, beautiful words to end on. You've been listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Thank you so much for tuning in with us together today. And remember, together, we're creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now. <laughs>